When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, your go-to source for all things movies. I am your host, Movie Mike. I'm a huge Spider-Man fan, so I've been waiting for this episode for a very long time. I am ranking all nine Spider-Man solo movies, plus a spoiler-free review of Spider-Man No Way Home. I just can't wait to get into this episode, so let's just get right into it. Let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast. One man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. All right, so I've put in about 20 hours of prep into this podcast today because I rewatched every single Spider-Man solo film starting with the Tobey Maguire's into the Andrew Garfield's, the Tom Holland movies, also watched Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and then just coming off of seeing Spider-Man No Way Home in theaters. So I started watching all these movies about a month ago because leading up to Spider-Man No Way Home, I just wanted to come up with a definite list of which ones I think are the best. And don't get me wrong, I don't think there is a bad Spider-Man movie. Now, Spider-Man is my favorite superhero, been my favorite superhero my entire life, starting back when I would watch the cartoon in the 90s, and then the first Tobey Maguire movie changed my life. I don't even think the Andrew Garfield movies deserve the hate the kind of guy, which I'll get into it on this list. And then I really love what's happening now with Tom Holland and No Way Home. So, so before we get into this, it did take about 20 hours to watch all these movies and why do I think Spider-Man is the best superhero? One, I think he has the best superpower. I think it's a superpower that we all wish we could have. And it's just more unique than Superman. It's more unique than Batman. And I think growing up, that's why I always wanted to be, if there could be any superhero's powers that I could take, it would be Spider-Man. I think he has the best origin story, the best characters around him, the conflicting thing with him being Peter Parker and wanting to be Spider-Man at the same time. It's a battle that I don't really see 
as such a big deal with any other superhero of their identities getting revealed. It's such a major plot point with Spider-Man that I feel like it makes him just that much more of a relatable character. I also think he has the best villains. The only person who probably rivals him a little bit is Batman. But I just think when it comes down to what makes a great comic book movie, man, they just transfer so well on the screen. And then before I get into the breakdown of all the nine Spider-Man films, I'll just talk about the big three. First of all, I think Tobey Maguire, his Spider-Man has always had the best story and the best villains. And despite what other people say, I think Andrew Garfield had the best Spider-Man when he was actually in the suit. I thought he captured that really great, the humor, everything that went into his acting in that performance, I thought was the best in any Spider-Man. And then when it comes to Tom Holland, I think he is the best Peter Parker, which I think has made his franchise stronger because we really get to spend a lot more time with Peter Parker as the person, and it's really able to have more of an impact when he is Spider-Man. And then with Miles Morales in Into the Spider-Verse, it gave us something totally different. So, so we'll factor in all those characteristics into this list. But let's get started at number nine. I went with Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3 from 2007. And I think arguably people view this as the worst Spider-Man out of every Spider-Man movie. And I would agree, putting it at the bottom of the list. But I also don't think it's that bad of a movie. I think there's maybe one series of events in that movie that we all know when you know spider-man is being overtaken by venom and he does the dance he goes and does this really weird scene at the jazz club trying to make mary jane jealous but i think aside from that everything else in the movie is actually still pretty good i think part three does start out a little weak there's a little bit less story to be told here i feel like they were struggling with part three and trying to rehash the story of uncle ben again and one and two did such a good job at telling the entire story i really don't think there was a need for number three there was a demand for number three but i don't think there was enough story in this trilogy to really justify this three which is why i think it really fell flat they kind of just tried to cram in some villains there get some hype around venom being in the movie but i think that all felt a little bit tacked on I felt like he was highly forgettable after watching Spider-Man 3. I also think Sandman as a villain in this movie is a little bit weak. And when it comes to Topher Grace playing him, it just didn't really do it for me. I felt like Peter Parker kind of lost the qualities of what made him Peter Parker. And this was even before his suit was possessed by Venom. And I even felt Harry's performance was a little bit over the top in this movie. So at number nine, the very bottom of the list, I went with Spider-Man 3. At number eight, I went with The Amazing Spider-Man from 2012. This is the first Andrew Garfield movie directed by Mark Webb. And the reason I put this one here is because I feel like The Amazing Spider-Man had to do this job where it had to be so different than the original trilogy that it ended up hurting the movie and this movie in particular. Because it was trying to be so different from the origin story, it took a long time to actually get to Spider-Man being Spider-Man. And there's a lot more backstory on Peter Parker's parents, which it's trying to be completely different from the original one. But I just really wasn't that big of a fan in this movie kind of exploring that plot line. And I think this is why a lot of people didn't like this movie because we had already seen it. We'd already heard this origin story. We've seen it time and time again from, you know, the first one that we were a little bit tired of that. And I honestly think that's the reason why people didn't like this movie so much because they felt it was so soon after the first trilogy and they were it was just Hollywood kind of rehashing, not having an original idea. So I think The Amazing Spider-Man gets, you know, that held against it a lot. But when you really watch and break down this movie, don't consider the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. 
there's some really great stuff about this movie. I think the suit is a plus. I think Andrew has that real Spider-Man quirk to him when it comes to the comedic timing, when it comes to Spider-Man always have this kind of wisecracking quirkiness to him. I think that was really kind of what Andrew Garfield did best in this movie, better than I would say any other Spider-Man. And it only suffered out of the necessity to be different. The only problem I had with Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker is that I felt he was a little too smooth, a little too good looking, not enough nerdy to me. He skateboarded, which made him cool. And then he also got Gwen pretty easily in that. Like within like the first act, he was already making out with Gwen Stacy. So that's what took me a little bit out of him being Peter Parker. Another thing I loved about this one is the injuries were more realistic, like him actually getting a toll taken on his body from going out and fighting crime. I felt it was also more realistic in that people realizing that Andrew Garfield was Spider-Man in the first trilogy, you know, I felt like people were a little oblivious, like, oh, I wouldn't even consider him to be Tobey Maguire. I feel like it's a little more how it would happen in the real world in The Amazing Spider-Man. So at number eight, I'm going with The Amazing Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield in 2012. And then right above that at number seven, I'm going The Amazing Spider-Man 2 from 2014. This movie is not as bad, again, as people think it is. There's some really great moments in this movie. I just think, again, when it's trying to be so different than the original trilogy, they're bringing in villains that they haven't used or introduced before, they didn't quite get them right. Jamie Foxx's Electro had the potential to be great in this movie. Paul Giamatti as Rhino was kind of just thrown in there randomly. Same with Harry Osborn turning into the Green Goblin at the end of this movie. But after going back and rewatching this movie, what I did love about it is that it gets right to the action and you really kind of feel the emotional arc that Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man takes in this movie. And the theme that comes back in every Spider-Man movie is the moment they realize that they can't have it all. That you can't be Spider-Man trying to save people and still have your normal everyday life. It's the struggle that they all face, and you really get to see that in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I was really hurt by going back and re-watching this movie and realizing that there should have been The Amazing Spider-Man 3, because where it really shines is the ending, and going back to, you know, the moment you realize you can't have everything, and also dealing with loss. But Andrew Garfield suffered the greatest loss out of this movie, and then the franchise just went away. So I think there's a lot of great storytelling in this one. Not completely there with the villains, still kind of strays away on the story. But I still think Andrew Garfield is underrated in this role. But at number seven is The Amazing Spider-Man 2 from 2014. Moving on to number six now, we're going with 2019 Spider-Man Far From Home. Now this movie takes place post-Endgame. It's really Spider-Man and Peter Parker dealing with the loss of Iron Man. And in this one, it's Peter Parker trying to decide that he just wants to be a teenager and doesn't want to be Spider-Man anymore, at least for right now. And going back and re-watching this one, I also felt like it was a approach to almost a commentary on what superhero movies were and just what the Avengers kind of meant because Mysterio's character in here is so over everybody having to be a superhero in order to get noticed, in order to be kind of 
have attention in the world in order to be a significant person you have to be an iron man you have to be a superman and it was almost a take on like man there's so many superhero movies right now how can we make this one different i felt like there was that little underlying theme in there and i also just really love jake gyllenhaal as mysterio they stepped up the action in this movie and i remember really loving this movie in theaters and loved how it set up the new spider-man now and I almost thought I would have ranked this one higher than Homecoming, but, but after going back and rewatching all of these, I still think it's perfect right here. I think maybe why I loved it more at the time is because it was coming off of Endgame, and Endgame ending on this super high just level of emotion, we were all kind of anticipating what was coming next, so it was so emotional going into it because you're going from one of the biggest superhero movies of all time the biggest moments and we just want to find out what was happening next and this one just kind of rode that wave of excitement so i think maybe at the time i enjoyed it a little bit more still a great movie but i think that's why i find it coming behind number five now so we'll get right into that one at number five is spider-man homecoming from 2017 the first movie from director john watts and this one really changed what spider-man was and where Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, we all felt like we were get, kind of getting the same thing again. They made Peter Parker younger. They made him more innocent. And they were really able to recapture that energy and bring something totally fresh and new, which is why I think everybody loved it again. They also skipped the origin story, got right to it. He's already Spider-Man. It's coming off of Captain America Civil War. And by taking out that origin story, I felt like we were able to really just get right into a fun new Spider-Man movie. So you have Tom Holland, who's at the right age, at the right level of nerdy. It's a lot more believable, and it's just a lot more fun, bright. Spider-Man is less moody and emo. Michael Keaton plays a great villain, and it just really becomes its own franchise again. Aside from the fact that this one still kind of relied heavily on Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man, and unlike the other Spider-Man movies, this one is in the MCU. It lives in the world of the Avengers. So at times, it doesn't feel like Spider-Man's own solo movie, kind of just like a Iron Man Jr. in a way. But the great thing about this is you really get to see Peter Parker like at the start of really becoming Spider-Man, unlike in the other movies, because he's actually learning how to be a superhero being a 14 year old kid. So I thought it was a fresh take, really made me love Spider-Man again. So at number five, we have Spider-Man Homecoming from 2017. Get into number four now, which this is actually my personal favorite Spider-Man movie, but I can see kind of through that and rank it subjectively to is it the best spider-man movie no but there's reasons i love this one more than other spider-man movies and the movie i'm talking about is spider-man into the spider-verse from 2018 it's just a very unique origin story on spider-man and the fact that it's animated it really just took any rules out of the spider-man franchise that had ever been set in place and it almost felt as a longtime spider-man fan being able to make a movie that was made exactly for me of being a fan of all the movies and that had never been done before. And then you have Miles Morales, who is more representative of race. You have a supporting cast that's the same way. And stylistically, it looks like no other movie I've ever seen before. And out of all these movies, it's still my favorite one to go back and rewatch. So it's my favorite because it is so different. But again, as I was rewatching every single Spider-Man movie, I felt like there are different elements that all the other movies have that this one doesn't because it's so different. 
So I feel like it doesn't meet those exact same criterias. So for that reason, I put it at number four on the list, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse from 2018. All right, and here's where it gets difficult. The top three Spider-Man movies of all time. I will get into that after the break because even now I'm still debating on what to put at number one. So I'll be right back with that. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back here with the top three. Now, at number three, I'm putting Spider-Man from 2002, the original one with Tobey Maguire, And this was often the one I cited as my favorite Spider-Man movie because it's the one where, you know, it started it all. It's one of the most iconic superhero films, one of the most influential superhero films. And back in the 2000s where we didn't have, you know, all these superheroes with their solo movies. And re-watching this movie, I love the fact 
that it's a world where superheroes aren't normal because now with the MCU, it's created this whole big world where, you know, everybody just references the Avengers, references all these other superheroes like it's nothing. But in Spider-Man from 2002, it's in a world where like, what? There's some vigilante out there swinging from buildings like this is unusual. And I love that. And also while rewatching this movie, kind of realized how the acting is a little cheesy, a little campy in this, you know, first Spider-Man movie. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it has kind of qualities of what a comic book is like when you bring it to life. But I remember that being a lot different when I watched this movie as a kid. One thing that remains the same is the Green Goblin is amazing. And going back and watching William Defoe's performance as the Green Goblin, like he did such a good job in that. I can see why they brought him back. And that's not a spoiler. He's in the trailer, by the way. And I also kind of realized what made these movies so different than the ones now. It really felt more like a comic book movie to me. Everything from like the big close-ups and just the cinematography in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. I think that alone really has a voice unlike any of the other Spider-Man movies. Because just by looking at a single frame, it looks completely different to me. And it really kind of captures the feeling of New York City and the shots of Spider-Man. I just feel like are more impactful. The way he just kind of pops and it's a little less cartoony than Tom Holland's suit now. It just has this kind of realistic but also comic book feeling to it, which I love. And there's just something so great about but what I think it really comes down to in making this one so great is the cast. Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man, Kirsten Dunst as Mary Jane, William Defoe as the Green Goblin, but James Franco as Harry Osborn, J.K. Simmons. I just think the cast is the strongest cast out of any Spider-Man trilogy. And I also think and consider in it's about the Spider-Man you grew up with. You know, I was born in the 90s and these movies came out when I was a kid. Very impressionable. He was already my favorite superhero. So, of course, I'm going to love these movies a little bit more. People who were born in the 2000s, they probably identify more with Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. And kids now, their favorite Spider-Man is probably Tom Holland. So I think I'll always hold the original Spider-Man closer to my heart for that reason. But when it comes to what makes a Spider-Man story great, what makes a movie great, I think this one has everything. And compared to the top two, it's almost perfect. I think the top two here are perfect Spider-Man movies. So at number three, going with Spider-Man from 2002. And at number two, this was hard for me because I'm coming off of just watching Spider-Man No Way Home. And I kind of want to save my full review after this list so I won't get into fully why I'm putting this one here now, but at number two, I'm going Spider-Man No Way Home. The only thing I'll say about it is I know every time after I watch a new superhero movie in theaters, it's automatically my favorite because a good superhero movie does that to you. It feels like you just went on a roller coaster and you're coming off and you're so excited and you look at any other movie and you're like, no, that was better because this emotion I'm feeling now I've never felt before. And while I feel that, and it's really hard for me to, you know, find anything bad about that movie and go back and think, like, how could that not be the greatest? I think I am still running off that a little bit, but it was a perfect movie to me, and I'll get into my full review, spoiler-free, here in a bit. But I also think it's so close to it just coming out last week that calling it number one, I have to give it a little bit more time. Because the one I put at number one, I think, is undeniable. It's been out for almost 20 years now, which is crazy. And even going back and rewatching the next one, which you probably already guessed by now, 
I think it's held up. I also think it greatly influenced No Way Home because you have the villain returning. So at number two, I'm putting Spider-Man No Way Home from 2021. And at number one, I'm going with Spider-Man 2 from 2004. And why I think this one is a perfect movie over the original Spider-Man from 2002 is it starts out great. You don't need to tell the origin story again. It gets straight to the action. And what Spider-Man 2 does so well is it goes beyond just being a comic book superhero movie to, at the core of it, Spider-Man is a love story. It is Peter Parker trying to be a normal person and be with the person he loves, Mary Jane, but also trying to be Spider-Man. And at the core of Spider-Man movies, that's what it's all about. And re-watching this movie, I realized how I was just watching a great love story play out with these superhero elements. And in this one, you have Peter Parker basically not wanting to be Spider-Man. He gets rid of the suits, just starts being a normal person again, and then has that moment that he realizes that he, you know, he can't have that. He has to be and has an obligation now to be Spider-Man. And a scene that was so impactful to me that I realize now is when his glasses go down after you know he's gone back to being Peter Parker but once they go down this time he's never Peter Parker again and he's only Spider-Man and he had to overcome that real dilemma of being a normal human being and wanting just everyday normal things to being a hero and not only that you have the best supporting cast out of any Spider-Man movie James Franco gives his best performance as Harry Osborn in this movie Kirsten Dunst gives her best performance as Mary Jane. And then you have Alfred Molina as what I think now is the best Spider-Man villain. Again, that's just the personal preference to me. I just find Doc Ock so fascinating. And I think the great Spider-Man villains are, you know, the mad scientists, which is what makes them all great. You know, William Dafoe had the same thing with Green Goblin. But there's something just so unique about Doc Ock to the Spider-Man franchise. And... His performance in this movie and the action sequences between Spider-Man and Doc Ock, I think, are the best. And being that it was part two, they had the bigger budget and they were able to take all those scenes to the higher level. And for one scene in particular is why I think this is the best Spider-Man. When he saves all those people on that train, it's the most heroic moment out of almost any superhero movie that's ever been made. You know, Tobey Maguire using all of his energy to save these people with his mask off. And what I think this movie captured that none of the other movies really did the same way is that sense of like New York owning Spider-Man and New York being behind Spider-Man and fighting with him and looking out after him. There's such an energy to New York that's hard to capture. And I felt it was really done in this movie. So an even bigger level to the supporting cast is New York City itself. So this one has it all. It's a perfect movie from beginning to end. So number one, the best Spider-Man movie of all time, I'm going with Spider-Man 2 from 2004. That is the top nine. Come back and give my spoiler-free review of No Way Home next. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? 
why did the internet choose them, and what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time, and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, the review I've been waiting to do all year long, about to get into my spoiler-free review. Yes, no spoilers will be revealed in this review of Spider-Man No Way Home. I don't even think I need to play the trailer again, so let's get right into it. First, I'll set the scene with what it was like going into this movie. I had to avoid every single spoiler online because I went to see it on Friday night when it opened on Thursday night. And I was basically not on my phone the entire day. And I'm glad that I was able to avoid any spoilers. So I also fully am considerate if you don't want to hear any of yourself. And I didn't want to see reviews. I saw the Rotten Tomato score and that was it. I didn't want to read anything. So if you want to stop listening to this podcast now, even though I won't comment on any of the main plot points that will reveal spoilers. I get it. If you just don't want to know anything about it, come back and listen to this later. But I will just give you my thoughts on what I thought about the movie without revealing any spoilers. So what this movie did to me is it completely encapsulated everything I love about going to the movies. And I don't think I was more excited about a movie 
since 2019's Endgame. And it kind of felt like that for me. And this movie was nonstop action. It takes place right after Spider-Man Far From Home and really wastes no time getting into the plot of this movie. And that's what I loved. And the other thing about it, I almost didn't feel like I was watching a movie. (laughs) I know that sounds weird to say, but it's so hard for a movie to kind of encapsulate an entire world to where I didn't think of anything else in my life while I was watching this movie. I've never been that kind of entertained by something and totally focused in on something ever before. Even Endgame at the three plus runtime, I was a little like, all right, we could probably wrap this up a little bit more. But this one, two and a half hours felt like 20 minutes. Nonstop action. I felt it was genuinely funny. Some parts a little bit campy, but all in all, it worked together. So what this movie is about, again, without revealing any spoilers, takes place right after Far From Home. Peter's identity has been revealed by Magneto, and now he is trying to make it to where nobody knows who he is. He goes to Doctor Strange to try to see if he can cast a spell to make this happen. Doctor Strange says, all right, I'll do it. In doing so, brings back all these villains from different multiverses, and you get them all. All the ones I was talking about earlier. William Defoe's Green Goblin, Jamie Foxx's Electro, Alfred Molina's Doc Ock. You got Sandman, Lizard. They all come back, and that's where you have your problem in the movie. And what I really loved about this movie is it really had this darker tone, and you see Tom Holland get a little bit grittier And like I was talking about in all the other Spider-Man movies, I feel like for the first time, he actually kind of struggles with his two different lives. One is Peter Parker and one is Spider-Man, which you hadn't really seen before. Like he's kind of had that a little bit easy in all the other movies to where he can kind of be two people aside from having to keep it a secret. He never really had the personal struggles per se of battling that. And in this movie you really get to see that and Tom Holland's performance is so strong in that that it really makes it come to life and I kind of respect him a little bit more as an actor I'd always thought he was the best Peter Parker after seeing Homecoming and it just takes it to another level of being an all-out well-rounded Spider-Man and this movie did so many things for me emotionally I found myself cheering a lot of the time I'll be completely honest I cried three times in this movie not full-out bawling but there was moments so emotional And I find it hard for me to cry. Like, I would love to be able to cry more to share my emotions. I feel things, but sometimes it's just hard for me to express them. And I've never really cried at happy things. I can only cry at, like, really sad things. And it was something about this movie that, like, I felt like a part of my brain kind of shifted a little bit. And I legit teared up. That's what a great movie is. It's so hard, especially in this day and age, to evoke emotion in any kind of movie. But I feel the fan base in Spider-Man is so strong and we invest so much in these movies, invest so much in these characters that being able to do that to me, to anybody watching this movie is the ultimate goal and is why I think this is a perfect Spider-Man movie. And there was nothing bad I could say about this movie. There was nothing I didn't like. So I feel like if you really had to dive deep and pick apart like one little thing you didn't like about watching this movie... You know, you wouldn't find anything. The hard part now is I have on social media hyped it up so much. And in this review, hyping it up even more. I feel like what we're about to start experiencing is people going to see it after the hype is out and then being like, oh, it's not that great. People are hyping it up so much. And that's the problem with overrated movies is there is that initial hype. 
Like it doesn't come out of nowhere. You don't overhype a bad movie, but it's going into it now with that expectation of it being great that I feel like that's the only thing that's going to hurt this movie now because it is a perfect movie to me. I love the theater going experience with this because it's unlike any other superhero movies like this are meant to be watched in a crowd in a theater. And I love going to the movies above seeing a movie at home. I've talked about that a lot. I feel like there is a little bit difference when it comes to, you know, the theater going experience to be that an experience. Some movies maybe don't require it as much. I get that. But for me personally, being in that theater with a big sound, with the big screen, but on this level, you have the audience reaction. And I've seen different kind of clips from different theaters, which I'll get into that here in a little bit. But in the crowd I was in, people were cheering. <laughs> it just added that extra level of a feeling of community. And it's what the Spider-Man movies, all the MCU movies have created in that community that really makes them, I feel like, even above just being a normal movie. So I already rated higher just going into having that experience because it felt like I was going to a theme park. It felt like I was going to a performance or a concert aside from just watching a movie. So it's really unmatched by any other theater going experience. So it's already going to be rated higher for me. And I was debating on whether or not, you know, what to rate it. But before I get into that, I have to say, I'm glad I did go see it on Friday night and not any later because people were posting spoilers on TikTok like it was nobody's business. And I think that's awful. One, why are you filming inside a theater? Like, that's illegal. Like, don't do that. But also don't post on TikTok where somebody can just open up the app and then immediately see spoilers from the movie. This one is hard because I feel like there's a everybody wants to talk about it and reveal all the spoilers, but you got to give people enough time to watch it. And I am going to release a bonus spoiler episode with just my spoiler reviews that will get more into it as more people see it. So probably next week I'll drop that here on the feed so you can check that out. And if you've seen it, you can go in with spoilers and hear all my thoughts on it. But I was kind of upset at seeing people's post the spoilers, but I thought the crowd in my theater was, you know, pretty like loud and clapped and cheered a lot to the point to where my wife who watched it with me was like, man, there's a bunch of nerds in here. I'm like, yeah, you're next to the biggest one. And I found myself, you know, shouting at the screen too involuntarily. And that's a quality in me that doesn't really come out a whole lot. You know, I think there was like a theater in Germany where people were going all out losing their minds. That's a little bit much, but again, that's what you get going into this kind of movie. But when it comes to rating this movie, I couldn't find anything I didn't like unless I was really like splitting hairs. And for the sake of just criticizing a movie, I can't give this movie any less than a five out of five. And I haven't rated a movie that probably since 2019's Joker. And when it comes to Everything I felt in this movie, everything I was hyping up going into this movie, there's nothing bad I can find to say about it. So Spider-Man No Way Home, an easy five out of five for me. Remember, I am a huge Spider-Man fan. He's my favorite superhero. But again, I believe in the hype. There's nothing I would have done differently. Five out of five multiverses for Spider-Man No Way Home. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? 
why did the internet choose them, and what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time, and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, now it's time for the part of the podcast where I break down new movie trailers of movies coming to you soon in theaters and on streaming in a segment we call... It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. All right, first up in the trailer park, we have a movie called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. It is a movie starring Nicolas Cage where he plays a fictionalized version of himself. It looks utterly ridiculous, but somehow... Pretty good at the same time. Here's just a little bit of that trailer. We got another offer. What's it about? You head to southern Spain and you attend a wealthy gentleman's birthday party. I would never do that. It's a million bucks, Nick. I'll take it. The guy that owns this house, what's his name? Javi. Look, if Javi wants me to wipe or watch me watch him his wife, that's a no-go. You understand? That's no bueno. I am Javi. Nick Cage. So this movie looks pretty good to me. It looks pretty funny. And what's kind of different about this movie is that I feel like recently Nicolas Cage hasn't really been in a big Hollywood production like this in a while. He's done a lot of smaller movies. I saw him in the movie Pig earlier, which is a great movie. 
but it's almost felt to me like it's been Nicolas Cage in smaller roles now, taking on these weirder projects, stuff you wouldn't really expect to see him in, and that's kind of been the appeal of Nicolas Cage movies recently. And in this movie, while the plotline still seems like that same level of ridiculousness, I feel like the production in this movie, just by looking at it and seeing this trailer, is almost back to that big Hollywood level that I'm used to seeing Nicolas Cage in. And I love that he's playing this fictionalized version of himself because I think now we kind of know Nicolas Cage to be this really weird dude, the guy who gets married and divorced in like a week, who you know spends money on these weird fossils and just seems like an all-out kind of bizarre dude to be self-aware so much that he would play himself in a movie kind of addressing all those things. It is a rated R movie. You notice I had to bleep something in that trailer, but the trailer looks promising. That comes out on April 22nd in 2022. I will be checking that one out. Next up in the trailer park, if you're a Harry Potter fan like I am, and you've been into the Fantastic Beasts movie, the new one is coming out on April 15th, 2022. It's called Fantastic Beast: The Secret of Dumbledore, and here's a little bit of that trailer. If you listen carefully enough, the past whispers to you. We're here to see Albus Dumbledore. That would be my brother. The world as we know it is coming undone. Grindelwald is pulling it apart with hate. If we're to defeat him, you'll have to trust me. I really love the first Fantastic Beast movie. I love the kind of being in that same wizarding world, but it had a different feel to me. I wasn't expecting a Harry Potter going into that movie. Wasn't expecting a movie like that at all. But the second one, I didn't really like at all. So when it comes to the third one, just by that trailer alone, I'm not that interested in it yet. I know they're kind of starting to reference a little bit more of the Harry Potter world that we know and it's becoming less of a prequel of like kind of trying to get us to that point because I think as Harry Potter fans, that's really what we want to see. I'm looking probably more forward to the reunion coming out on HBO Max at the start of next month than I am to the Fantastic Beasts 3, but I will check it out because I've seen the other two and I kind of want to see if this trilogy has some life to it. Funny thing enough, though, this trailer also played as the previews to Spider-Man No Way Home and the sound wasn't working for the trailers in that movie. And just by watching this trailer without any sound, I felt like it was a little bit ridiculous. And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but sometimes when you watch something without sound, you just kind of take it for what it is. And I was like, "Mm, this looks actually kind of dumb. So I'm not fully into wanting to see this one. I do like the idea of exploring the wizarding world more. I just don't think this trilogy is exactly it. But that comes out on April 15th, 2022. And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park. Felt like we covered a lot on this podcast. So a quicker trailer park for you this week. And next week, there will be an episode where I feature my favorite interviews from the year. But before I hop out of here every single week, I got to give my shout out one of you who listen to the podcast and if you wonder how do I get a shout out well it's really simple all you have to do is send me a dm on instagram tag me in your instagram story wherever you're listening whether it be a screenshot from your phone a picture of your dashboard in your car tweet me at mike distro comment on my facebook page which is facebook.com slash mike distro but today i'm going over to the email which is moviemikeD at gmail.com but for this week i'm going over to the email which is moviemikeD at gmail.com and it's from alex he wrote me an email that says hello mike been listening since day one love the podcast thanks for keeping me entertained 
Alex from Rochester, Minnesota. And Alex attached the screenshot of his dashboard where he was listening to the best original songs episode written for movies. Thanks, Alex, for listening. Appreciate everybody who's been listening from day one. I recently posted on Twitter that it's now been two years officially since I started this podcast. And it means so much to me that everybody comes back now every single week. But a special shout out to those who've been here since episode one. We've come a long way since then, y'all. Couldn't have done it without you guys. And until next week, I will talk to you later. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.